Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time in your host of Buy the Books. I'm here, sitting here with Rob McBride of Ram CPA PLLC. I threw that in for you because that's how he said to say it. No, uh, I'm it's, it's actually um, Robert McBride CPA PLLC, but there's a story behind the Ram, the Ram CPA. Tell us the story behind the Ram. So my initials are Robert Allen McBride. Okay. And so, so when grand- you say story, you just mean it's your initials. No, there's a story. Behind <laughs> oh, okay. It. Okay. So, so I, I don't have a long time to explain the story, but uh, let's just say that uh, before I was a CPA, I was uh, uh, an Army Ranger for 12 years, and so I understand how to hit. The bullseye. Nice. Okay. And so I've spent a lot of tax dollars. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I got out, they said I was roughly worth about $15 million. And I've probably half of that was just blowing stuff up that I shouldn't have. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so when I chose, my, my grandpa told me there were two guarantees in life, death and taxes. So I got out of one business and I got in the other business and decided <laughs> that uh, I'm going to protect and defend every taxpayer in America that they pay their fair share and their fair share only. Uh, because what you spend, the government will what you send the government, they will spend, and then some. Oh so. yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can be true of most taxpayers too, though. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, totally agree. <laughs> so you're on here to talk about a topic that I get asked quite often by our clients, and I'm sure by your clients as well. Mm-hmm. Um, many of our sole proprietors partnerships they want to know when is it time to switch to be taxed as an s corp rather than as a a schedule c sole proprietorship yeah um that's a decision that a lot of business owners are faced with that own a small business and not knowing really when is the right time to transition that um and the main difference there correct me if i'm wrong when you're schedule c you're taxed on your entire net income from your business Correct. on your schedule C. And, and you're taxed on your entire net income as an S-Corp and as a partnership. But the difference being, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, on an S-Corp, some of your income, you can avoid the payroll tax. Correct. Correct. And I, and that's one of the points I was going to cover here is, is, you know, Social Security and Medicare are the payroll tax. Now, as a self-employed individual, you owe both sides of it. So if you were an employee, when you see your W-2s, you see your Social Security and Medicare withholding, you're only seeing half of that obligation. Right. As an employer, you're required to pay the other half. Okay. Now, what happens is, is, is and you've got to look at this as it's the government-forced place pension plan for you. Okay. I have family members that didn't do any retirement planning, and they're living off of their Social Security and Medicare tax. It's not or Social Security Medicare premiums that they're getting paid back. They're not living the best lifestyle because they didn't do other things to prepare themselves for retirement. But uh, it is an entitlement. We are paying into a government-forced-placed 401k plan or whatever else, and it's Social Security Medicare. Medicare is uh, uh, about 3.5%. It's 1.45% per side employer and employee, and then Social Security is 6.2% per side for employer and employee. So it's about 14 cents on the dollar. 
Now, Social Security backs itself off, and your income is no longer taxable from Social Security perspective once you hit about $147,000, okay? So, yes, a lot of our small business owners start up, and every dollar they're making, because they're usually not making the $147,000 right away, so, yes, they're getting hit with that $0.14 on the dollar before they even get taxed Mm -hmm. at the federal tax rates. So what happens is, is I get the same question. When do we make this move? Well, the first thing we've got to make sure is we've got to make sure that you've talked to the lawyers, informed yourself, an entity. And in the state of Texas, usually I see all of my small business owners starting out as an LLC because they're operating entities. And the LLC and what the lawyers do is just like an insurance policy. It's protecting your business or protecting your personal right. assets from the business. So, so if you it's just for a liability from a liability standpoint, trying to protect your personal Correct. assets. Okay. Yeah. So then, what we do in, in in from the eyes of the IRS, if you're a sole owner of that LLC, then you are called a disregarded entity, which then requires you to file all of that activity on a Schedule C. Okay. So the next question is: Is where do I go to, when I make that S election? And so what happens when you file an S election, and you can do it, I file them late. The IRS gives us up to three years to file some of these back dates, okay? But uh, essentially, once you file that 1120S, now you have an additional tax return, or the S election, you have an additional tax return, okay? Which That's is called, due a month before your correct, personal return, correct, because if I'm it not produces mistaken. a K-1 that needs to go to you personally, and we have to give you at least a month in advance so you can file your 1040. But here's the deal. In an 1120S, in my field, usually the charge price on that is about $1,200 to $2,500. Okay? I know you're paying some of that expense already to file that Schedule C, so some of that will absorb itself into the 1120S, but it's a second tax return that needs to be filed. And then from that 1120S, it pumps out the K-1s, and it's a good deal because you get some level of audit protection individuals are more likely to be audited as an individual than they are as an S-Corp. And if you were to be audited and you get a K-1, all that IRS agent can do is look at that K-1. Now, if they feel like there's something going nefariously, then they have to go back to their manager and request an audit to open up on the S-Corp. Not likely to happen. Mm. Okay? My understanding... So you're saying if if somebody is personally audited on their personal yes. tax return, yes, if they have a Schedule C, they basically have all Exposed the freedom all in the world exactly. to go audit yes. the business. Exactly. But if it's an S Corp, they only have the, the K-1 That's to look yes. at, and they would have to open up a completely separate audit process to go audit Correct. that business. Correct. And normally, when you've got a sophisticated CPA, he's going to stamp on the bottom of that tax return, the 1040, his CPA information. And normally, when I deal with IRS agents, uh, I'm pretty nice to them, but they're not really wanting to do the job they have anyways. They just couldn't (laughs) find a job anywhere else. I'm just telling you, these are the folks that didn't cut their ponytails off when they were ready to interview for the public accounting. Oh, boy. So, yes, the IRS is increasing their number of agents because if I were a politician, I wouldn't have to raise taxes $1. All I'd have to do is enforce the Internal Revenue Code. It's so convoluted and got so many rules and so many laws that that even with the S Corporation, you have to. What you're basically doing when you make the election to be an S Corporation is you are becoming an officer of the entity and then you're becoming an employee of the entity. 
Okay. So and part- we probably need to pause on that for a second. If you do make the S corp election, a lot of business owners don't realize this. In fact, I was talking to a prospective client yesterday that wasn't aware of this. If you are an S corp, you are required to be a W-2 employee of that entity. With an exception. If the S-corporation is losing money, which really, if you're losing money and we're at a negative, I'm not going to There's no reason to to do it. it. Because I'm going to tell you the biggest downfall to this is the compliance cost. But yes, if you're a sole owner and you make an S-election, you are required to put yourself on payroll. So now you're subject... So I guess really the asterisk should be you're required to put yourself on W-2 payroll if you're paying yourself at all, right? If you're not Correct. paying yourself but anything. I would never have anybody make an S election if their company's not profitable. Okay. But let's okay. say it was profitable and then, you know, like in the pandemic, I'm sure this happened yes. a lot, where then you're not profitable and maybe you're not paying yourself. Correct. You can wax and wane. The last person, I mean, the last person to eat in my household is the one cooking the meal. Right. right? So, so really, where the IRS is going to care is if you're paying yourself at all, it can't be all just distribution. Correct. It if, needs to be W-2 it, income. Exactly. That's the point is, is we are trying, we are, we are dancing on a line of tax evasion. And we're letting the tax tell wag the dog. And the last thing we want to do is is take away enterprise value of your company. So if enterprisally, if you're taking $50,000 of distributions and only $10,000 of wages and your highest paid employee is making $60,000, I would say you're probably running uh, uh, the gauntlet of, of tax evasion. My recommendation is, is whoever your highest paid employee, you should be the highest paid employee in your company. So if you pay your highest paid employee $50,000, then you should pay yourself $51,000. The IRS has not told us what's reasonable. They just said we need to take a reasonable salary. salary. Okay. But when we do that, we have compliance costs, not just the 1120S, but now we have uh, 940s that we have to file every quarter. Okay. So you can try to do those yourself. Now, that you... would not be an additional cost unless they're the only, the Correct. owner is the only Correct. employee. Because if they have other employees, Perfect. they're going to have to do Correct. that anyway. Correct. Most of my conversations in this situation is is, is non, they have no employees. So just okay. the owner. They usually have 1099 contractors. And then slowly we want to kind of move them into a payroll position. But so your 940s are quarterly going to be about $1,200 a year. So about $400 a quarter, am I right? $300 a quarter, yes. Uh, Then you're going to have to do your annual 941s and your W-2s, and that can range between $400 to $1,500 a year. Okay. Then so just the it. cost of running payroll, Correct. in essence, the payroll taxes and running, yep. processing that yep. payroll, however often you do it. So essentially what you want to be able to do is say, okay, I'm going to be paying to make this S election between $4,600 to $17,000 a year extra in compliance cost. Am I saving that in taxes? Okay. That's the catch is when we can start seeing that we're justifying the savings, and that's when we can go through and do the uh, uh, the process. Now, here's a downside: if you've got owners, other other partners, other shareholders, they have to they they cannot have preferred returns. They have to get a pro rata distribution. So when you make your distributions, they have to be pro rata based on their ownership interest. So let's say that that you and I went into business together. Mm-hmm. We formed an S-Corp. I do all the hard work, but you 
maybe invested some cash in there and you want to get more than a 50% return. If we're 50-50, the only way I can give you more than a 50% return is I have to pay you through wages. But when the distributions come out, they have to be pro rata equal 50-50. So if you get caught doing caught up in that, then the IRS will bust that S election. We actually had this situation come up with a client of ours who their their CPA advised them to make the S election. They previously were a partnership. Um, in their case, they had one employee that only one of them used as an assistant. And so they wanted that entire cost to be allocated to only the one partner. The problem is, and they weren't advised this before making this S election, is once you make that S election, then as you stated, everything has to fall in line with your ownership percentage. You can't say, well, 100% of this cost goes to one partner and not the other. So you lose some flexibility with that S election. Exactly. Yeah. Partnerships are great because you can do... You can allocate income in many different methods, okay? Partnerships are great also because if you're highly leveraged, you can take, uh, for example, real estate, okay? If, if you're going to buy a piece of real estate, I would never recommend it to be put into an S-corp. S-corp. Okay? I've heard that. And the reason why is is because if you're going to go to the bank and you're going to partner with the bank, they're going to probably leverage you about 80% of that value of that property when you acquire it, okay? You're only going to have to pony up 20%. Okay. What happens then is, is you can do a cost setting on that property and you can accelerate depreciation. And because the debt with the bank is assigned to the real estate, you have kind of got it as a qualified non-recourse debt. It becomes basis for you. So you can take that accelerated depreciation and you can take deductions on your personal return when it flows to you in excess of what you contributed into that entity. So then your basis goes to zero. Is that your, your basis does your 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 capital contribution basis does, but you get your pro rata share of the debt the bank lent on it on it. So let's say it's a million dollar uh, property. Okay, you and your partner came up with a hundred thousand dollars each. The bank came up with eight hundred thousand. Am I doing my math right? That's a million. I don't know. Okay, I got lost so, in it. So you depreciate the property to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Y'all were only economically at risk two hundred thousand dollars. So if you did this in an S corporation, you would suspend the fifty thousand dollars of deductions until you actually are have have cured that up through some income method, or you contributed more capital. For a partnership, you can take that depreciation all the way up, and you can use the bank as that debt as a way to take passive activity losses uh, against other passive income that flows through you. So, are you basically saying that with the S corp, you cannot take all the deductions? Is that if you're highly leveraged, you can be at risk. You can only take deductions up to your at risk capital that you've contributed into the S corp, which would be your so. In that scenario that you gave, you would suspend a fifty thousand dollar loss. And when you say suspend, does that mean you have to carry it forward yes, to carry- a future year? Correct. Correct. Whereas with the partnership, you could take it all? 
Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So when I see highly leveraged, I never, never would recommend real estate to be inside of an S-Corp. I usually say your S-Corp is for non-passive operating entity style entities. Okay. And actually this um, issue came up this past week. I I attend a CPA group that meets once a month and I learn a lot there. Mm -hmm. Um, But they had talked about how difficult it was when you dissolve an S-Corp, if it has assets, that can be a problem. It can be. Uh, Normally, it's a bigger problem if the company was a C-Corp at some point in time, and then Mm -hmm. they converted to an S-Corp, because a C-Corp, you can do the conversion without having to recognize any of that gain, that C-Corp income. So yes, it gets convoluted, but when it comes down to an LLC that's been treated as an S-Corp, it's not that difficult, because... You know, you you you're distributing assets as long as it's pro rata. Um, there there is some cases where if you try to distribute certain real estate out of that, or that's why I say never put real estate in it. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's an operating entity. Okay, so I don't really see a. Struggle. So what you're saying is basically the the S corp really should be for a business that doesn't necessarily hold any assets or very few assets or less expensive assets? The the assets that they should be holding would be income-producing assets. Okay. Machinery, equipment, you know, trucks. I mean, my heating and air folks do this. So just not real estate. Yeah. So normally what I see is, is, is as I start working with my clients and I see that their rent expense is so high that it makes sense for them to actually own something. We would then push them back to the attorneys, have them form an LLC, and then we would acquire a building inside of that LLC with the debt basis so you can accelerate some depreciation. And then you do a rental agreement. You charge rent to, to the, the S corporation. And that's a way to kind of start moving moving that income down from the S corporation to a passive Activity And then actually we would treat that as non-passive because if you have too much passive activity income, then it's subject to the net investment income tax. That's 3.8%. Mm. So a lot of this is there's a lot of um, – there's a lot of CPAs that do not – they just sit down with their clients once a year and get their taxes done. Uh, I'm not a CPA like that. Uh, I think that, <laughs> that if, I, if you want a CPA like that, go to Walmart – <laughs> and every year at the front of Walmart, they got some guys at H&R Block and Liberty Tax. Now, here's the frustrating thing as a CPA that I have is, is you guys don't want to pay the IRS, and then you don't want to pay me. Mm. And I'm like, if you don't want to pay the IRS, then then you need to hire I'm, I, I hire the best CPAs you know. Mm. Don't go cheap on your CPAs. Would you go cheap on your brain surgeon? <laughs> Touche. Okay. And we're practically having to do brain surgery on a lot of uh, a lot of my clients because mm. they don't know they don't know how to keep their books. They know how to make money doing their trade. Right. They think they know. They think this is simple. If this if this was so simple, then why did it why did it take five years for me to get a degree to get it? And then I had to take a test I could never pass again. <laughs> That is, by the way, what CPA stands for is can't pass again. Can't pass again. So, so a couple other areas that I, I like to – so obviously heavy, heavy leveraged entities, I wouldn't recommend that because you're, you're able to use that leverage as basis to take ordinary deductions, okay? Um, one of the greatest things that I love about the S Corporation is, is we can start doing and maximizing our tax deferments, okay? So just – if you're going to – everybody's frustrated about paying Social Security Medicare tax, okay? I don't trust the government that's going to 
give me a good return on that investment. Okay, So I'd much rather be able to hire a wealth advisor, come into my company, establish a 401k, a solo 401k, mm-hmm. or do some sort of defined benefit plan, something to where I can take my profits. Now, the great thing about an S-corp is, is that if you had a solo 401k, which means there are no other employees besides the owners, then there's no compliance cost really for that. Okay, And what happens is, is, is we'll have to have you make contributions into your 401k throughout the year, but when we finally finish your tax the year, we can say, hey, um, and I do this with, with a company up in, uh, a real good friend of mine that owns a chiropractic firm. Every year I call them and say, hey, you guys are going to owe this much in taxes on April 15th. If you put $100,000 of contribution into your 401k, you're going to save $70,000. Wow. And so that's that, significant. That is the conversations you want to have is, is, is if your CPA is not concerned about helping you create and retain your will, then you've got a CPA that probably should be working in the front of a Walmart for the months <laughs> of January through April. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I've, I've, uh, I was part of a team that bought up eight CPA practices around the Dallas Metroplex area. There was a lot of that treatment towards these clients um, mm. that I was able to step in and they said, hey, I've been with the CPA for 30 years and have never gotten this kind of advice. So wow. The problem is, is y'all want to pay your CPAs like you want to pay your IRS. Mm. And so um, you get what you pay for. Yeah, actually, I uh, recorded an episode with Ryan Rudenberg where we talked about the difference between an EA, a CPA, a bookkeeper, an accountant, and the different um, educational requirements, the different just CE requirements and things like that. But really, even if somebody has that CPA next to their name... Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're a strategic thinker. Right. It doesn't mean that they aren't lazy. Right. I mean, some of it could just be straight laziness sometimes. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that they enjoy their job. Exactly. It doesn't mean they're keeping up with the regulations and right. the, the new tax laws. It doesn't even mean that they, I mean, that they even work tax ever. Uh, I've known many CPAs that, that went in industry from yes. the day they graduated from college, got their CPA degree, worked for 10 years for, you know, said company, and, and then they said, I'm going to hang my own shingle, and then they open up and they become tax. Yes. And right, that's the, right. the problem is, is very few CPAs. I mean, I started my, my career uh, working for the large national firms. I got some of the best training and worked underneath some of the best CPAs I ever, I've ever known. As a matter of fact, I still reach out to them because they're way smarter than me. <laughs> um, but I knew enough. I know enough. I kind of consider myself like a family practice mm. doctor. I know when I need to call the surgeons. I know when I need to push you on to the oncologist. I know when I, I sniff things out and I know how to link people up with mm. the right folks. Nice. And so I'm very strategic in the way I approach my companies. Uh, I grew up in West Texas, which my dad gave me a lawnmower at 10 years old and said, <laughs> you want more than Kmart brand shoes? Start pushing. And it didn't take me long to, to, to realize that you only knock on the doors with tall grass. There you go. <laughs> And so, uh, from 10 years old, I was a very strategic thinker. There you go. And uh, luckily, the Army uh, invested a lot of money into me to be strategic. Very uh, I'm nice. still alive, got all my body parts. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's something I've talked about, too. I actually have an episode. Um, I think it's called the, the Question Every CPA Answers Differently. I literally asked 
probably 20 to 30 CPAs the same question. In fact, it's very similar to the scenario you gave earlier about switching to an S-Corp and having an asset that was a liability and all of that. Um, But it was a question I asked a bunch of different CPAs and every single one gave me a different solution to it. And what it, what I learned from that is, which, I mean, I think I already intellectually knew this, but I saw it very tangibly that you have CPAs that come at things from their frame of reference and from their risk tolerance level. So there was responses that were super conservative that were definitely audit proof, right? Like if they were audited, there would be no questions asked on that. And then there were a lot that definitely towed the line of this could be questioned and you would be required to defend this. Um, so that was very interesting to me. And of course you saw everything in between too. And then there was the out of box thinkers that would come at it from a completely different perspective. I drove in from Briscoe today. Okay. And so I didn't realize that in my navigation system, uh, I decided a couple weeks ago that I just didn't want to pay tolls. So I knocked off, do not put that option. They don't don't pay the tolls. Okay. And it said I was going to be 15 minutes late here. And I was like, there's no stinking way I'm going to be 15 minutes late here. And it was going to route me through different routes to get to this location. And then once I dropped it down, I put tolls and it gave me a route too. Okay. So there's many ways to get from point A to point B. Now, here's the deal is, is if you don't have a personal relationship with your CPA, Elvis Presley said this, he says, surround yourself around three people, a good lawyer, a good CPA, and a good pastor or counselor. Okay. There you go. So my, my clients tell you guys how much they made at the casinos, and then they tell me how much they didn't make. So that's the type of relationship you have to have with your CPA. So once I know you, then I can give you different avenues to go. And there's mm-hmm. not one straight line to it. The Internal Revenue Code is 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 insane. It's it's and it's it's very difficult to read because why it was written by lawyers mm-hmm. and lawyers write things with little triggers in it because they have to get paid again in the future when there's lawsuits that come around. So yes, you're never going to get the same answer from the same CPA because it isn't as simple as putting your pants on right left foot right. first right foot next right there is a lot of things and the only way you're going to get a good answer is find a good cpa and they're going to guide you through because at the end of the day the burden of proof is always going to fall on the taxpayer so we're going to give you here's the conservative answer and here's all the air and you've got to make actually that i was looking for that And it's interesting you say that because at the conclusion of that episode, that's exactly what I said is I not once did I get a CPA that said there's 20 ways to skin this cat. Here's some different options. This would be on the conservative end. This would be on, you know, the more risky side. I didn't have that once. In fact, in most cases, they were adamant that their way was the way. Right. And so I, I remember saying that at the end of the episode that I want to find that CPA yeah. that tells me here's some different options. Absolutely. How comfortable do you feel? Yeah. You know, if we go the riskier way, you may end up having to owe some taxes. Correct. But if you feel comfortable with that, right. let's go for it. Right. 
Um, you know, which in my case, I have high risk tolerance and I have yeah. no problem going toe to toe with an IRS I auditor. I have no problem either. No. So, you know, shoot, that's yeah. the CPA I want to go yeah. with. But I also want the CPA that's going to tell me this is on the risky yeah. side. Have well, some, and, some and funds. As long as, I, as long as I tell you. Yeah. And I'll tell you through email. And there's a reason why I'll tell you through email. See how because the if you evidence? get audited and you try to come to me for not giving you the right advice, and I can cover give you back butt. that email. Okay? <laughs> I'm not going to provide that email to the IRS agent. Right. But if you ever get exposed and you take a, a less conservative approach towards something, I'm going to document that to cover me because right. my license is at stake. Too. Right. I don't want to get it with preparer penalties. See, right. The IRS can come to me if I don't tell you the, 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 the most conservative approach. Right. They can hit me with penalties and those are pretty egregious. So is that your tactic with your clients is, to, is to explain here's Absolutely. conservative to risky Absolutely. different options you yep. can take. Yeah. That's very unique because yep. I, all those people I asked didn't have that one time. Yeah. Well, so. because I think you're dealing with, I hate to say this, we all have egos, but just because <laughs> I have CPA next to my name, mm-hmm doesn't mean I know your business. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if I know you and I know your business, I'm going to slap your hand. If you're a doctor and you go to a doctor's office and you're practicing your practice at the doctor's office and you want to put your Cadillac Escalade as an asset inside of that entity, I'm going to be like, this isn't, are you doing house calls? No, this doesn't make sense. Mm. Then what's going to happen is I say, you do this, you're avoiding taxes. Okay, you can be audited, but you're also decreasing the enterprise value of your company. So when you're ready to sell it, you're going to have no value. In now, it let me you ask you this. Shoot up your value. Do you try to come out with an out of the box approach to how can we make that a tax deduction? Like, for example, what if they wrapped the car in their advertising for their business? Absolutely. Absolutely. So but doctors maybe... can't wrap their cars. There's certain, <laughs> there's certain, there's certain restrictions that they can't do. But what if they started some kind of business? Then I'm saying, why, why don't we find other ways to make your practice even better instead of trying to avoid taxes by adding a, a vehicle? Into but it? what if there's an easy out of the box way that that could there's become? Normally not for a doctor. Okay, I would say the easy. I'm gonna think of one. I would say the easy out of box way is is let's keep a mileage log. Every (laughs) every time you have to go to CPE or whatever else, you're gonna get 58 cents on the mile deduction. Okay, that's the best way. I can create a mileage log, but if I stick a vehicle inside of your doctor's practice. That doesn't make sense. Rob, I want to find the CPA that's like, hey, you could wrap the car. <laughs> I, I tell my real estate agents they can wrap their car. Okay. I, Start my... a pet sitting business and wrap your car. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I agree. You can do a lot of wonderful things. But what I'm trying to say is, is you can do this. And if that's what you want to do, then I won't argue with you. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to send, I'm going to send you an email and saying, I have advised that you didn't do this. So when you get audited, you don't come after me for the taxes that you pay plus interest plus penalties. I get it. But you know what? I I guess the the CPA that I'm I'm still looking for, because I still do my own taxes because I haven't found the CPA that I'm like, it's you. The CPA I want to find is the one that's not, no, you can't do that. It's how do we make this happen? Correct. 
you know? Yeah. And and then the one that's like, like you said, I like your approach where it's, okay, there's 20 ways to do this. I love the CPAs that can admit there are many ways to do this. Yeah. And here is a, a plethora from risky to conservative. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll go with you wherever you want to go on yeah. this. Just know if you go more risky, you need to have those taxes stored away exactly. somewhere in case, exactly. in exactly. case yeah, the auditor in doesn't see. So I always use, I mean, I, I, I take my CPA... Uh, approach towards almost like I took my military approach. Yeah. So we had a term in the military that anything could change Mm -hmm. at any time. Actually, they call it Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go wrong. Okay. We always had to plan for a contingency. And everything that could happen is all determined. Change could happen based on mission, enemy, terrain, troops, and time. Okay. So those five variables could make things change. Yeah. And and that's the thing about it is is what I advice I give a client today might be different tomorrow. Absolutely. Because your business is hopefully if I'm advising you, your business is growing. Absolutely. And I'm going to advise you. So we're, we're not just a, a here. I, just because I said this to you five years ago right. doesn't make it solid. Today. Right. The tax code doesn't. I mean, we're probably not going to see any changes in the tax code until 2025 when the TCJA uh, Act, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, a lot of these things are going to sunset. But the more and more our government is spending, the more and more they're going to recover those dollars, which is about $30 trillion right now, and they're going to have to recover it from us taxpayers. Okay? So so I want to make sure that we're, we're staying clean with the government, and there's a lot of alternative ways, which is, hey, at the end of the year, pay me $400 to sit down with you and do some tax planning with you. Now, do you consider yourself to be more on the conservative side when you're advising your clients or more on the toe in the line risky? I'm going to give them every option they can take. Okay. Okay. I'm protecting my license. Yeah. Because this is my, my good. Right. Goal. This is my license. But I will, I, you know, and every type of business has different. See, the wonderful thing I get to do is I get to test drive companies all day, every day. Mm. So if I'm doing a heating and air conditioning client, I've got many heating and air conditioning clients that I've done. So I know what's been successful for them. So I'm going to kind of give that guidance and I'm going to walk through that. But yes, my goal is always to take not a conservative approach, but take a long-term visionary approach. Yeah, that's okay? good. So I'm just going to give you an example. I have a family member that bought a business uh, in the early or late 80s. And he decided to keep his books and then keep his IRS books. Okay, And I kept telling this family member, you're going to do this. And when you go to sell this company, the, the buyer is not going to look for your books. They're going to look for what you've given to the IRS. And the enterprise value, he had sucked all the enterprise value out of a company that he could have probably sold for one and a half to $2 million. He barely sold it for $250,000. So he saved all these tax dollars for, for 30 years. Mm. But because his tax return showed he wasn't as profitable as he really was, he lost the enterprise value of his company. Mm. Okay, so my p- goal here is is to help create and retain wealth, and then make it a legacy sided thing. So, if that's conservative, then that's conservative because I don't. I'm I'm, I'm kind of short term gain, long term pain, long term pain, short you know, yeah, long term gain, or, or however that works. <laughs> my point is is that I I I don't look at myself as a tax accountant. I look at myself as a trusted advisor. Mm, I'm very, I'm very exclusive on who I pick as clients because if you're going to treat me like you're going to treat the IRS, 
then we're not going to have a relationship. Mm, that's I, I'm looking for long-term relationships. I've got clients that will pick up the phone if I call while they're pulling their kids in tubes in the middle of the lake. Because mm. if they know the CPA is calling them, this is important. Mm. And I'm not doing that from an egotistical perspective because I will only call you if it's important. Mm. Uh, I will not call you to collect your bill. If you don't pay my invoice, I will fire you. <laughs> Touche. You don't go to Kroger and check out at the grocery store and say, can I pay you next time I come? And so, no, I'm very, very protective because if I don't protect myself from there, then that means I'm taking away opportunity for the clients that I have mm. protected that do pay Yeah, me. that's good. Because about 20% of my clients every year I try to get rid of. But I've heard other people say that that they because always 20 percent of my clients waste 80 percent of my time and then they complain oh. about my bill every time and and nothing frustrates me more because i've got some of the best paying highest caliber clients that adore the advice i give them i'd r- much rather give them more advice than than have to uh act like i'm in a a, a pawn shop negotiating with taxpayers that want to evade and not pay their fair share mm. taxes i serve my country i've got a 40 percent disability rating People will shake my hand when they say, thank you for what you've done. And my first response is, is thank you for paying your taxes. See, I believe that we have an obligation to serve our country with our military to cast our votes when we get a chance to cast. And a tax, paying our taxes is how we're able to support the freedoms that we have in this country. Mm. Unfortunately, most of my clients, the only places they've ever gone outside of this country is nice resorts. I've seen the armpits of the world and I've kissed the ground every time I've come to this country. And it is our obligation. Now, what our politicians do with it, that sucks. That's why we have the other obligation is to go vote. So, no, I'm not going to uh, take on a client that wants to avoid paying taxes. It's just as important as our military men that are willing to give their lives. I mean, how else are we funding the defense that we have, the, the rights we have that our Constitution has given us? I feel like we should be playing the, the national anthem or something in the background right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I know they're not spending our money appropriately. So we've gotten way derailed from our, did, original, from our topic, original topic, we did. which is the people listening right now trying to figure out if they're supposed to elect to be an S-Corp are probably going, get back to the point. <laughs> I, will, I will make you a deal. I will make you a deal. If you have that question, you give me a call. <laughs> well, I think as with almost anything in yeah. accounting, the the answer is it depends. It does depend. Um, but let's just take a scenario. Okay. Um, let's just take a small business owner. Let's say he's netting one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in his okay. LLC, but taxed as a sole proprietor. Right? Okay. He's on a Schedule C, so okay. he's getting taxed the full fifteen percent or yeah. whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Of payroll taxes on that yep. entire one hundred and fifty thousand, yep. and he's looking at okay, maybe I could switch to be an S corp yep. because then I only have to pay that on the portion that's W two income, correct? And I can give myself distributions and avoid that for the rest of it. Yep. And, and I don't like the word avoid, but but yes, you could pay your so one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We're right at that Social Security threshold. So you're going to be paying about uh, $21,000 in self-employment tax there, okay? Now, we could reasonably say that $50,000 is wages, 
Okay. Now, now. So what goal, you're saying there is, is if you switch to be an escort, then you then would you, you would save yourself. about fourteen thousand dollars in self-employment tax. Okay. Okay. Now we're looking at those ranges about so so by doing that, it makes sense because your compliance cost is going to be about forty six hundred dollars. I saved you fourteen thousand dollars. So really, when it's all said and done, net to your pocket is ten thousand dollars. Okay. So for that person, it might make, make sense, sense, but. As we've discussed, there's a lot of other variables exactly. to consider. Exactly. And I'm sure a lot of it also depends on does that business owner have a spouse? What other deductions might they have against that Schedule C income? Does that play into it? No. No? We want to, we want to get that Schedule C off of that 1040 as fast as possible. Okay. Okay. Because if you get audited, everything on that Schedule C is free game. Okay, okay? gotcha. Now, if we can move over to the S-Corp, then we can move all those expenses over there in the S-Corp. And now we've shielded you in case you get audited as an individual because the only number that's going to flow through on your S-Corp to you is one number, which is the net income. Okay. Everything that makes up that net income collapses. So all expenses related to that, everything else. But we need to make sure that if you're an S-corporation, and there are some other caveats, is, is health insurance. If you're more than a 2% owner, you're going to have to make sure that you, you properly pay your health insurance premiums through wages. And, and th there's just a lot of compliance to do it. But that's goes back to what I'm saying is, is you need to have a, an accountant, a CPA, that, that understands pass-through entities. And and you need to be willing to pay uh, the consulting costs mm -hmm. uh, to sit down and have these questions answered. Um, you're, and, you're a business owner. You don't... Most of my business owners want to get paid for their services. Of course. So, absolutely. And they want to get paid a premium for their services. Why? Because it's, they're worth it. Well, and I would say it's not a bad idea to get multiple advisors looking at your situation because what one may not see another one might catch like in the situation i mentioned earlier where a cpa advised them to go to the s corp yep. but because they had this employee that they no longer had the flexibility to break up the way they wanted to they wanted to go back to being a partnership yeah. so in their case they did listen to the cpa but yeah. the cpa either didn't know about that situation or just didn't think about it i don't know which but yeah. Um, you know, so it might be a good idea to talk to a yeah, few people. The problem is, is if you're getting, here's my recommendation. If you're able to pick up the phone and call a CPA and they give you advice over the phone, they're not a good CPA. Mm. Okay. I don't give about my, anything or just this situation. I'm just saying if a client calls me, I'll give them the first five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. It just depends. Okay. okay? But nothing frustrates me more when I, my phone rings more during busy season more than anything because I got people that want to call for free advice. Okay. And free advice, if you get free advice, then, it, then it's not worth anything. Mm. Okay. So if you truly, truly, truly want to get the best advice, don't go around and find 10 people that will give you free advice. Find someone that might charge you an hour, which is, I did this yesterday. I charged a client $400 to sit down and talk to him and give him all the strategies that he needed. Okay? Because when he does that, I'm more like an air traffic controller. Like I said, a family practice. I'm going to guide you and say, we need a wealth advisor in this because we need to help you establish a 401k. We need an attorney in this because you formed this entity through LegalZoom. No, we need to actually solidify it. <laughs> we need to get some certificates. I mean, you want a CPA that's going to tell you and guide you through it. Um, I, I, 
the best example I can give is, is the best guide through a minefield is a guy that already made it through it. Okay? Now, he might have no legs and no arms, but at least he blew up the mines that you just follow his footsteps down. Mm. And so, as a CPA, I've been through many, 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 many minefields because I've consulted many, many different clients. So, no, I don't say go around and ask 10 CPAs this question. If they're willing to give you the answer over the phone, then you're getting really poor advice. Mm. If you get a CPA that says, yes, I'll give you five minutes, and I usually do, five to 15 minutes. And if I get five to 15 minute phone calls six times a week, I start charging my clients. Mm. Okay. Don't take advantage of your CPAs. If you want good advice, then pay for it. If you wanted a good brain surgery because you found out you had a tumor in your head, you're going to pay the surgeons a lot of money. Okay. Believe it or not, sometimes what we do is like brain surgery. Mm Mm-hmm. And we want to be methodical and we want to get to know your business. I want to go out there and kick the tires of your business. I want to make sure it makes sense because the first thing the IRS agents are going to do when they audit you is they're going to come out and kick your tires. And I want to be able to be right next to them and kicking those tires with them. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, um, you can get – there's there's many consultants you can have. But like I said, a wealth advisor, a good attorney, a CPA, and a good pastor or a counselor are, are, are what you need. But that's a good note to end on. <laughs> so if anybody wanted to reach out to you for this or any other number of issues or tax preparation, no. how could they reach you? They can go to my website. It's ramcpa76.com. What's the 76? What's That's the, the year I was born. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> the, the bicentennial of the United States. Of there America. you go. Yes. <laughs> so, so yes, uh, ramcpa76.com. You can, uh, um, there's a, there's a spot for you. My email address, all my contact information is there. Very nice. Uh, I enjoy what I do. And I can so, tell you're very passionate about it. There's no doubt about that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wealth of experience with all our listeners. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And I hope you bring me out again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you. Good deal. And this is Lindsay Klein with Sucline. If anyone needs bookkeeping services, we are here for you. You can find us at sucline.com, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com. And of course, you can email us at info at sucline.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, have a great week. By the Books is presented by Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Secline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit secline.com or email info at secline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.